0: well good morning church good to see all of you normally we I sit right out here but uh, I got the little upgrade package so uh, I'll be up here this morning before I get into what I'm gonna speak about there's a couple things that you should know about me that Ben did not say one is that I'm from Minnesota okay Minnesota so if you're from Minnesota it's always about the O's and the A's okay so we say there's a lot of snow on the road today right and uh, I, was, you know, I was speaking at a conference, I don't know, 20 years ago, and there's like 400 kids out there, and I'm up there waxing and waning eloquently about the reliability of the Bible. And afterwards, this little girl comes up to me, and she must have been from Texas. And she says, um, can I ask you a question? And I said, well, sure. She goes, are you from Canada? And I said, well that's really, that's so close, you know, (laughs) yeah. So you hear a little bit of accent, you know where it's coming from, Uh, just wanted to say that. The second thing is, uh, I normally teach on Sunday morning, uh, maybe 100 feet right over here in the library. We have a a class called Trinity Transformed that we do, that we've done second service pretty much the last few years. And if you're interested in checking it out, we'd love to have you come and visit us. We're taking a summer break. We call it Trinity Transformed because we believe that the church can be transformed by prayer. And so we pray before we get into anything for the church. And I believe that God is is blessing that and we will continue to bless that. We're going to start that again after uh, Labor Day. I'm thinking about doing something on evangelism. Uh, doing a class on that so you know all the way from somebody who's you know you're just trying to have a spiritual conversation with somebody all the way to like the hardened atheist that's in your family that you don't know what to say to all the, we're going to talk about everything in there so just be just be heads up about that it'll be coming uh, down the road here very soon a couple of weeks ago uh, Julio came to me and he said would you like to preach And I said, well, uh, uh, and I said, what about? And he said, well, we're doing a series on renewal and rest in the church. So I prayed about it, and I decided, okay, I'll I'll give it a shot, you know. Um, And last week, Ben kind of kicked us off talking about this whole idea of Examining yourself before God, with a, those of you that were here, Amazing Grace, we talked about that. And today I want to speak a little bit about this whole notion of the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath rest. And I'm going to take a look at what the scripture says about the Sabbath, and then a little bit about how that actually applies to our lives. So if you could turn with me in your Bible, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, one, 1 through 3. We're going to have it up here hopefully on the screen. And I am going to be speaking from the English Standard Version, which I like the best for studying because it's a word, for, word for translation from the original language. So one word of Greek or Hebrew, one word of English. So Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God rested from his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from his work that he had done in creation. Now there's a couple of things that I want you to notice about this text. And I'm going to just reread it again to make sure I get the emphasis on the right syllables here that I want to emphasize, okay? So listen to it a little bit differently. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God Rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Did you hear how many times the pronoun God, he, his, is mentioned in those three verses? And that's not by accident. And if I could summarize what God actually did here, they would go like this God finished, God rested, and God blessed. I'm going to say it again. God finished his work, he rested from his work, and he blessed his work. And notice here that it's God doing it, okay? It's not, it's not Chick-fil-A. It's not, uh, you know, some other place that closes on, on Sundays. It's actually God. So the idea, the whole idea from the beginning about taking a seventh day rest and a Sabbath comes from God himself. What he does during the creation, what he models. I don't want you to miss that. So if you don't hear anything else that I'm going to say this morning, just hear that God himself finished, God rested, and God blessed. Because here in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Just in a few minutes. And then second, I want you to notice that the word Sabbath is not used here. And I'm going to comment a little bit later on why, but there is no mention of the word Sabbath right here. And then finally, you'll notice that the word holy appears here in this text. This is the first time in all the Bible that the word holy is actually being used. And to make, to make something holy means to, to, to set it apart, to have it be different than the rest, to have it be sanctified. So you got day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. Day seven is completely different than all the other six days. Day seven is special. It's sanctified by God himself. So I want you to turn with me to another passage to look more about this idea of the Sabbath. And that's Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. And in Exodus chapter 16, we'll start in verse 22. Exodus 16, 22, it's on the screen here. Moses here is taken the Israelites out of Egypt into the desert. And he, he says to the Israelites, on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded, Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you bake and boil what you boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. So they laid it aside till morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a day of Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. Now just let me explain to you what's happening, okay? Moses takes two million people out of Egypt into the desert to Peggy Sue's diner, okay? Now you, you don't know what Peggy, does anybody know what Peggy Sue's diner here is? Oh yeah, somebody, all right. This Peggy Sue's Diner, if you're going from Las, Las Vegas down to Los Angeles on the I-15, it's like it's like a four or five hour stretch out in the middle of the desert. Okay, and, and when you see Peggy Sue's Diner there, you're really happy because there's nothing out there. There's just absolutely nothing. So Moses is taking two million people out in the middle of the desert and there's nothing out there whatsoever. There's no Peggy Sue's Diner. And God they start to whine about the food and everything and and, and what are we going to drink? He brought us out here to kill us. What's going on? And God says, "I'm going to give you a supernatural provision." So he provides this thing called manna. It like it falls from the sky. It's like this white flaky stuff. It's on the ground. And they go pick it up, right? He says, "Go pick it up and taste it." Actually it tastes pretty good, like like honey. And they had like a it says two omers each, right? Now, how much is an omer? An omer is like a like a, like a 5 gallon bucket that you buy at Home Depot. You know the orange ones, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's that's how big it is. So he says, you know, everybody everybody in your family, you go out and get this this stuff that tastes really good, manna, and you fill your bucket and then you bake it and then you eat it. Right? So that went on for 6 days. But on the 6th day, he said, and I want you to take I want you to fill up two buckets full of this manna and I want you to bring it for two buckets for every single person in your family, right? And so they all gathered the two buckets. But this and he said this the stuff doesn't last throughout the night. They figured that out. Because it would get like worms and it would get all this gross kind of stuff. I mean even a dog probably wouldn't touch it, right? It's really pretty bad. But on this on this sixth day you gather twice as much and you bake it and it's gonna last into the seventh day. It's an amazing thing, because tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, he says, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. You see, God is providing for the people right here. It's amazing. You're out in the middle of the desert, you don't know what you're going to eat, and God says, I'm going to provide for you on the seventh day. Now, some people didn't, some of these people heard this, and they didn't actually believe it. They thought, well, uh, you know, I'm going to go check it out to see if it's actually there on on the seventh day so some people said uh, well hey hey dudes let's, let's just like go out there and check it out early in the morning to see if it's like really there and they went out on the seventh day and it wasn't there it wasn't there and Moses says to them how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and laws see the Lord has given you the Sabbath therefore on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days remain each of you in his place let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people figured it out. Wow, that's amazing. How does that happen? And you know, it took a lot of convincing for God to persuade the people that on the seventh day you rest. You don't go out looking for food You don't go out working. The seventh day you rest. And for some of us here this morning, it may take a lot of convincing to persuade you that you need to rest. And I hope that you do it sooner rather than later. I want to go to another passage. And uh, there's no no PowerPoint slide for it. but it's, It's Exodus chapter 20. Just a little bit further down the road in the story where God actually ratifies the Sabbath. He takes the Sabbath and he puts it into the Israelite law, right? He makes it official. And this is the Ten Commandments. This is Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. It's, he's, this is 10, you, you, you all know this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it... You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you in your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So he says to all Israel, we're going to make this an official law. This is going to be part of the Ten Commandments you're all gathered here on Mount Sinai. God himself came when I was up on the mountain and spoke to me. I got these two tablets, and we're putting us into law for, for all of us, like for eternity, right? You know, there's some down, some people throughout history who have looked at that a little bit differently, this giving of the Sabbath. And I'm thinking of John Calvin, for instance, He believed that the Sabbath was only given to the nation of Israel as part of the law and not to other people. It only applies to this particular people in this particular situation. But I think I agree with the Puritans who came a little bit after John Calvin and who said that what what Calvin failed to realize is that God instituted the seventh day of rest from the beginning. It was a creation ordinance given to Adam I mean, even Jesus kept the Sabbath in the New Testament, right? And see, if you violated the Sabbath back then, there were some serious consequences. Some very serious consequences. If you violated the Sabbath, you were to be cut off from your people. And during the, the, the wandering in the wilderness, they actually stoned a man because he chose to work on the Sabbath. You couldn't even make a fire on the Sabbath The Israelites took the Sabbath very, very seriously, as did God. In fact, if you get to the the prophets in in the Old Testament, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they placed such stress on observing the Sabbath that at times the fate of the Jewish people was directly linked to the attitudes they had toward the Sabbath. The whole entire fate of the country, the nation, how they felt about the Sabbath. So what did all these people do on the Sabbath, you ask? Great question. And I want us to look at one last passage, and that's Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. And I'm going to break my own rule and read this from the New Living Translation. <laughs> because it's a great thought-for-thought translation. I love the NLT uh, I think it captures it better in a contemporary language. So Isaiah 58:13 and 14, if you turn your back, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now this particular portion of scripture was written eh, maybe 800 years before Jesus was born to the nation of Israel. And by that time, Israel had been practicing the Sabbath for a long time, right? They were accustomed to it. But they weren't quite doing it the right way. They were doing it more out of, "Oh, it's Sunday, it's a Sabbath I have." Actually, the Jews went from you know Friday at six till Sunday at, or Saturday at six. That's, that's, that's when they kept it. But they were doing it more out of obligation. It's like, oh, it's a Sabbath. We just have to do this." And so Isaiah wants to speak into that a little bit. And in, in chapter 58 here, if you look a little bit earlier, he talks about fasting how to fast how not to fast and then we get to this section he talks about how to observe the sabbath and he says it's really not about the sabbath so much as it is about your motivation your motivation for keeping the sabbath why do you, why do you do it and he's really getting at this concept of how do you live a life that pleases god in the end is our, is, is, is our keeping the Sabbath just because it's the thing to do that you're not supposed to work or do any anything on that day? Or, or is there something more behind it? And this is why there's this if-then relationship, see? If you turn back your foot from doing your pleasure on my day, if you honor it not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking, then, then... You shall delight in the Lord, he says, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. The heights of the earth. A chariot of fire in the sky, right? And one commentator's words are most helpful here. He says, during the Sabbath, we cease, to, we cease our work and remind ourselves that it is God who supplies our needs, not we. We. We, we reorient the compasses of our spirits to the true north of God's gracious character, remembering that as we give one seventh of our time to Him and His concerns, that all of our time is His. For those who approach the Sabbath in this way, the day is a precious gift. It's a precious gift. You see that the, the day is a holy day to be carefully observed not because God will destroy you if you send an email or two, if you throw a ball, if you stop by Publix on the way home to pick up some lunch. Now Wendy's maybe, okay, Wendy's. All right, uh, I just gotta be honest, right? But it's, it's another day to truly worship him and, if, and to give him what, what, what is his freely, right? And it's a wonderful thing. And then he, he, he says, and this is happening because the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The mouth, it's, it's a done deal. You can take it to the bank, right? If you do it the right way, you're going to ride on the wings of the dawn. You're going to ride a chariot in the sky. Isn't that incredible to think about that you, could, you and I can experience something like that? So how do we really appreciate and accept God's productive gift of the Sabbath? Well, one last passage here. And I'm going to go to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 4, and there's no slide on this again, but Hebrews chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, says this. Anyone who enters God's rest also rests from, his, from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. And this applies to both the future rest that Jesus is going to give us as well as the Sabbath rest that he prescribes here on earth. We have to make an effort, make an effort to enter that rest. And to see, if you and I are going to enter that rest, there's at least three things that we've got to learn, okay? There's at least three principles that you have to do if you're going to go into the Sabbath rest. And it has to do with what I mentioned at the beginning. God finished god rested and god blessed see now i'm going to ask you this these same three points i'm going to challenge you you got to learn how to finish your work you got to learn how to rest and you got to learn how to be blessed right so let's talk about you want to learn how you you got to learn how to be how to finish many of you are sitting here listening to me right now saying you know Steve, you know, I've heard about the Sabbath my whole entire life, and uh, you know, you, but this is a good thing and everything, but you, you really don't have any idea about what my life is about, how difficult my life is, right? And some of you live very difficult lives. There's some people that, you know, you worked last night, the graveyard shift. There's some people that, as soon as I'm done speaking, you got to go to work. There's some of you who, you're on call right now. You could, you could, you you might not even finish out the, you know, the, the Sunday service here, right? And I don't know about your life. Some of you live very, very difficult lives. But I do know one thing for sure, and that is God knows about your life. God knows every single detail of your life, and I can tell you that his words are, are just as relevant and important for you today as they were for the people who first heard these words. Isn't it ironic there in that Hebrews chapter four that it says, make every effort. Make every effort to enter the rest. I'm sure it's the imperative tense in the Greek. Make every effort, right? You know it takes effort to finish your work. (laughs) I wish it wasn't this way. I I really, but it takes effort. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You mean, you just can't like take a full day off. I mean, how do you, how do you just, you you can't just push pause, right? How do you, how do you do this thing without, and and the reality is that you, you just can't, you just can't do it without preparation, right? It doesn't happen automatically. So here's some suggestions to prepare yourself a little checklist if you will. I don't know if you've thought about it this way but it really starts preparation really starts on Saturday so that you can enjoy the Sabbath, right? Now for me, I like to keep it from Saturday 6 till Sunday 6. I found that that works out the best those 24 hours. And I got to figure out things I hate planning, I just, can I be honest? I just hate planning, right? But there's certain things that I I gotta do. Like, I gotta figure out, you know, what am I gonna eat when I'm done on preaching today? Right, I had to finish the sermon yesterday by six. (laughs) I had to practice it, right? So that I could have my Sabbath day of rest, right? I don't know about you, but I get tempted during the Sabbath, I want to go uh, do other things. I want to go shopping. On Sunday, it's the best day to go shopping, right? Because you got, you can do it for almost a full day, and you got coupons and things like that. I, I, I struggle with that, and I'm very tempted to do that. I'm, I'm I'm struggling with, you know, how do I not check my email for 24 hours? Oh my gosh, is that even possible? Really? How do I do that? How do I tell my, Beloved wife, Nancy, you know, I just can't. I know there's this burning thing that you gotta have me do. I just can't do it, right? I just can't do it. And so for you, it might be deciding where you're gonna go out to eat, who you're gonna see on Sunday. It might just des- You might decide you gotta park the car on Saturday afternoon, or you gotta pack the car on Saturday afternoon for church, particularly those of you have a, who have a boatload of kids, right? You got a boatload of kids, and you gotta get that car ready Saturday night, so that Sunday comes rolling around, you can just flow, right? Some of you have, to, you, know, you have to figure out your work schedule with your boss before Sunday, right? Because you need to know, am I going to get called into work? Some of you maybe need to say, you know, I'm not going to take that job. Six days of the week I work, but on the seventh day I rest, and I'm sorry, I just can't, I just can't do it, Right? Maybe you need to pack up your house so you don't have distractions. Maybe you need to do laundry, run the dishwasher. And the best one of all, to put your phone on on, air, on, on airplane mode. Just shut off that phone, right? Just get away from it all. See, it takes preparation to finish. And if you forget something, you're like, oh, shoot. Just tell yourself, I can't do it till six o'clock. I just can't do it till six o'clock. That's the beauty of it. So you gotta learn how to finish and then you gotta learn how to rest. Learn how to rest. Do you know what the word for Sabbath in Hebrew means? Shabbat, it means to stop, stop. You say stop, well, I just can't, I just can't stop. I mean, what if I get bored? And some of us are old enough to remember when there were no stores open on Sunday, <laughs> right? And you couldn't, you would be bored on, on Sunday afternoon. I mean, you'd go outside and play, you, you, you couldn't dress Ken and Barbie so many, only so many times, you could, you could build Legos so many times, right? And you had to make decisions, right? And some of you, you've been working so hard That you literally need to come apart from your work before you come apart. I hate to say it that way, but that's the truth, right? So what do you do on the Sabbath? Well, the Puritans focused on the works and the word of God. The works and the word of God. And the beautiful thing is if you make a mistake on the Sabbath, you can start over six days later. You get another shot at it. Isn't that awesome? The last thing is you got to know how to be blessed. You got you gotta learn how to be blessed. You see, some of you sitting here listening to me don't really believe that God could do this in your life. You don't really believe it if I if I really took 24 hours off. Is it, if let's just say I, I was able to do it. But it's the real heart of the matter. And when I was in mass working on my master's degree, the Lord spoke to me one day and said, you know, you you gotta take a Sabbath, you gotta take a rest. And I thought, well, what? I'm just, I, I, what's gonna happen to my grades? It's so intense. And I just, I just said, Lord, I'm just gonna take the Sabbath, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna do it, I don't care about my grades. You know what happened? I graduated magna cum laude. How did that work? And four years later, I got in a PhD program, it was about like three times as intense. And I did it there too. And if I can do it, you can do it too. Right? So can I just, as we end, can I just talk to the fathers in here for just a minute? All the fathers, could you just look up at me? You know, I learned a long time ago, guys, that a, a man's man is a godly man. A true man's man is a godly man. And a godly man obeys the scripture. When it says, "You know, you don't do any work. You, your son, your daughter," he's talking to us, fathers. He's talking to us. Do you want to be blessed by God? Prove yourselves hearers of the word, and not merely hear. Prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude yourselves. Prove yourselves. Would you pray with me? And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you just need to talk to the Lord and just maybe you need to confess that you haven't been as good in keeping the Sabbath as he, as he desires. Just talk to the Lord for a minute and then ask the Lord, God, what is my next step? What do you have for me to do in becoming a, a better observer of your Sabbath? Father, we thank you and praise you. We, we confess our sins as a church that we have dishonored the Sabbath. There's some in here that have been so faithful in keeping it, and we, we thank you for them and their example. Lord, we thank you for your patience with us and kindness. Would you help us to be men and women of integrity, to not just keep nine of the commandments, but to keep all ten, so that we really can rest. And we pray this all for your glory. Amen. Now Jesus is our ultimate Sabbath, right? He makes it possible for us to rest. And if you could just take your communion cup with me, we're going to celebrate that this morning as we do every Sunday here at Trinity. And on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and gave thanks and said, this is my body which is given for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And then with the cup, we said, this is my blood. Shed shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you.